podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Feels so good, just so good to be back. It's Wednesday night, so you know what that means. It is time for the Bosco's Boys live show. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We're going to have fun with the Boneheads. Took to Twitter to ask for some topics. Kind of actually a quiet week in K-State sports when it comes to breaking news. You know, nothing too crazy. But we did get our latest basketball commit from Virginia Tech. I'm going to call him the Dunk, or the, uh, what what did I call him? The the Dutch Poster. That's what I'm going to call him. Uh, David Ngesson. Is what I'm saying until I get a better pronunciation. David Nagesson. Um, he he's a six foot nine guy from Holland, the Netherlands. He's Dutch, whatever you want to call him. Uh, you know, and he's in the fold. There actually might be because uh, summer school starts on June sixth. I'm guessing you might hear one or two, maybe even as many as three names between now and June 6th. Um, So stay tuned on Twitter for that stuff. Uh, Sadly, this is going to be the only live show between now and then. Um, But but that's all right. We'll we'll be back uh, in two weeks. So if you guys are listening to this on the RSS feed, we love ColorCast. We're going live all summer long all football season long, all winter long on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. in God's time zone here in the central time zone, except for June 8th. There will not be a live show on June 8th, but I have a special episode that's going to drop for everyone. Everyone is going to be so happy. They're going to have a lot of fun on June 8th. Everyone listening to this, you are going to have a lot of fun listening to the show on June 8th. It's very special. Uh, There was one hint out there on Twitter uh, to what the show might be, but it's a special one. Next Monday, though, I do have Chuck Lilly on. So I'm setting you guys up with two great shows next week since we won't have a live show, and it's going to be fun. So like I said, we got David and Gesson. Again, he wasn't a big-time player. He was a... uh, role player. He played in every game Virginia Tech had. He had a couple games in double digits. He had six games where he had multiple blocks and multiple assists. He is just a walking highlight. And I'm going to just kind of get my thoughts about the roster out there real quick before we bring people up and get started. Um, but Jerome Tang, there isn't anyone who is like, okay, he. we know he's going to be a 20 or even a 15-point score. We don't, we don't have anything like that. But he has gone after very specific 
types of guys. He's gone after athletes. He's gone after people with certain skill sets. He's building this roster really in a much more raw way than I would like them to. But, uh, you know, they're getting the type of guys that he wants to play his brand of basketball. I'm going to be a little nervous. Uh, I'm not going to lie because even the guys that we might be getting in, and I think we might get, um, you know, uh, Acots, I think is his name, from Boise State. I know he was on a visit. You know, super long uh, shooting guard, combo guard. Um, Even he was just a 10-point score at Boise State. So ultimately, a lot of the success is going to be uh, dependent on you know, how well they gel, how well they can be coached up, and if they can really unlock a lot of this potential that you see in the roster. But we do have another Tang Cat. I'm very excited for it. Um, So what we're going to do is we are going to do the starting question for all of you. I'm going to give you guys the option. The the question we were going to go with is, what is the best meat and cheese combination from, you know, Cole in Colorado, he had that idea for the off-topic starter. Or you can give a take on David and Gessun, the Dutch posters, what I'm calling him. But we're going to start off with Coley Dub. Either give a opinion on the latest Tang commitment or the best meat and cheese combination. Well, I really don't know much about the new guys. So, I mean, I'm just glad we got another guy on the roster. Um, but I kind of had a tough time answering the whole meat and cheese question because, I mean, I'm trying to think. It seems like there's not a lot of, I mean, meat and cheese combo type things besides like a burger. But I think in the summer, a little, a little, I don't know if they really count. Yeah, a little summer sausage with a nice piece of Gouda, sliced Gouda. That 100% counts. 100% counts. I say a little summer sausage and sliced Gouda cheese. Yeah, no, that that's good. My actually, mine is leftover Thanksgiving turkey with some Gouda, steamed up, put on a hoagie roll. But I guess don't worry about the bread. But you know, Thanksgiving leftover turkey fire. with Gouda is mine. So uh, the good chef, chef coming off of an excellent performance on the Q and A show. This is right up your alley. Or you can talk about the Dutch poster. I'll talk about both. But I think I've heard pronunciations hey, from like. Well, well, first off, you can't do both because this is just the opening question. But uh, you can correct well, my I heard, pronunciation. Well, I'll just go. I'll just go to the pronunciation then. I think it's uh, Gusan. I think that's Gusan. All right, that, um, hey, that works. That works. Yeah. Uh, he's long, uh, athletic, can finish at the basket. Uh, international flavor. I love that on the team. Um, and you know when we're getting power uh, power five transfers from the ACC, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no, especially with what we have on the roster. So I'm not gonna say no, and I hope I hope we build upon. Had Washington State chasing him, VCU and Virginia Tech wanted to keep him badly. We're going to the coffee fiend, Nick. Nick, meat and cheese combo or goose on? Uh, first off, the meat and cheese, I gotta go with a summer sausage and a pepper jack. I like a good old slice of little spice. Um, also, shout out to Justin, uh, aka Ghost Branch of the coffee company that I sent you. He is on, and, uh, just wanna say welcome, and enjoy the boneheads. Yeah, I, I gotta say this, the Ghost Branch coffee 
Hashtag not a sponsor, but they could be. Some of the best coffee I've ever had in my life. Ghost Branch Coffee. Not a sponsor, but they could be. Slide in the DMs. Uh, We're going to Joel next. Joel, uh, the Dutch poster Goosan or meat and cheese combo? Yeah, I'm going to go meat and cheese combo. And for me, it's got to be queso with some spicy chorizo mixed in. It's the spot every time. Dude, I'm on a chorizo kick. I was so good on my diet, like, for those first, like, three months of the year. And then I found out California Taco Shop up in KCK delivers down to my house in Shawnee on DoorDash. And their chorizo breakfast burritos are the reason why I don't look like a Greek god right now. Oh, man, I'm on a chorizo kick. We're going to uh, Rieger, California Cat, Cali Mike. What is either your meat and che- favorite meat and cheese combo, or if you want to talk about Gusan, our new player from Holland? I'm going uh, meat and cheese combo, and this isn't um, like a single dish with the two incorporated together. But my go-to uh, for a meal with meat and cheese, both is the KC combo at Jack Stack with the beef burn-ins, pork spare ribs, and cheesy corn bake on the plate. That is a uh, interesting spin on it. I will accept. I like it. Uh, we're going to Connor Baltazor, one half of my podcasting sons. Shout out to the Aggieville Alley Cats. Connor, uh, meat and cheese combo, or if you want to talk about Gusan, you can as well. Uh, I'll talk just a little bit about Which, Gusan. Re- real quick, I don't know if that's right. There's that N in there. Like, Chef, I don't know. Send me, like, a pronunciation guide or something. I don't know. I, I don't think that's right, but we'll continue. Sorry. Sorry for cutting you off. That's no problem. On that topic, John Kurtz tweeted a couple hours ago. He he says it's pronounced Gusan. So I'm going to roll with him for now. But I, he's, Gasson's just a prototypical Tang player. He's really long. He's really athletic. And didn't have a ton of projection at Virginia Tech. But I do think it's telling that they wanted him back. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it. But I still think he's probably a depth piece at best for now. But I'd really like to see them round out the roster with a couple of instant impact guys. Yeah, I, I think the w- w- two guys, Akot and uh, Akot, I don't know. Again, I'm bad at pronunciation. The uh, six foot eight combo guard from Boise State averaged 10 points, uh, like six rebounds and a few assists. And then, uh, you know, I think Walton, uh, the UNC guy, I think those are the other two that we're really in on. We'll see if we can make it happen. Uh, we'll go to Colorado Cole next. Colorado Cole, it was your question. Your, yours was the one I chose that really just was like, this is our off-topic question of the day. So what is your favorite meat and cheese combo? Yeah, you know, I've been giving it quite a bit of thought today, and I have settled, and me and Joel definitely think alike because I'm going with a, a nice Velveeta Crock-Pot queso. But instead of chorizo, I'm going to go with uh, some spicy Italian sausage. And I like to throw some uh, ground deer meat in there as well. Ooh, now that now that sounds good. That sounds good. And again, I liked this little opener. I think we need to get a little wacky with these off-topic openers. So moving forward, I'm going to, on the day of the live show, I'm going to go to the Boneheads and try to get the off-season, uh, off off-topic opener. 
because I love this one. All right, I tweeted out um, the topics. And again, I don't know how quickly this is going to go tonight. And we definitely can, uh, you know, add in some rapid fire stuff. We can do some fun stuff at the end if we have time. But something that I've been thinking of a lot, I touched on it a little bit uh, last week when the announcement came out, but some of these recent renovations, some stuff that's going to be in place in Bramlage for the next basketball season. So they're adding in some more loge boxes in a couple sections. They're adding in the uh, Legends Plaza or whatever they're calling it, which is just another a loge box type setup where you can buy individual seats instead of the entire box. And then they're adding in some more uh, floor seating. And then they're switching some stuff around where the band used to be, where the media used to be. The biggest impact this is going to have on regular fans is there are, I, I would say at maybe six or seven rows in a couple sections that are going to luxury seating versus the general seating. And then with the students, again, it looks like if what I'm looking at is correct on the maps, this is going to take away about 10 to 15% of the seats that the students still had. So I'm going to open this up to uh, everyone listening, everyone participating. Either you can make a comment and say, okay, you like this, you don't like this, or you can say, you know, hey, we're doing all this stuff in Bramlage. This is what I would like to see because there's still about $40 million worth of Bramlage renovations that are still being budgeted in the future. So I still think that there is uh, time for fan input for folks to get in Gene Taylor's ears and the people running facilities, what you guys would like to hear. Uh, my last thing on this is I think they had it in the press release and then I got further comment from someone at the athletic department. This is going to increase revenues with tickets and donations associated to basketball tickets anywhere from 500000 up to uh, three quarters of a million dollars every single year. There was a waiting list for premium tickets and this is what they're doing to meet that demand. And then also except for maybe Texas's new arena, there now will be more luxury seating in Bramlage Coliseum than anywhere else in the Big 12. And then the only arena in the Big 12 that still has a higher percentage of student seats is Texas Tech. So you, you're getting the best of both worlds. The second largest student allotment for percentage of capacity in the Big 12 and the most luxury seating. So I've been thinking about that a lot last, you know, week and a half or so. So I want to, I'm going to start with Colorado Cole uh, down there on the bottom. What would you like to see in Bramlage? Or if you want to comment on these new renovations, like it, hate it, uh, just kind of what do you want to see for the future of Bramlage? Yeah, so the new renovations, um, I definitely don't hate it. Like it sucks to lose a couple seats in the student section, but if we're being honest, like the student section wasn't uh, necessarily full every game and really was only pushing close to being full one game a year. And, I mean, I'm sure uh, student attendance will go up under Coach Tang. Uh, but I think it'll just kind of push everything uh, within the student session, kind of pack them in a little bit more. Um, and also just the luxury seating just kind of seems to align with a lot of the trends. Uh, just across all sports, you're seeing stadiums with less seats but more higher-value seats. 
So that's just good to be kind of up with the times. Um, you know, if I was to do something to Bramlage, it's tough to say. I feel like Bramlage has always felt kind of some work to do, maybe kind of unfinished. But I think I'd like Bramlage to be, let's take the where the seats are and make it a little closer to the court and really emphasize that octagonal shape so we can really make it feel like you're in an octagon of doom right up there against the court. So that's probably uh, the best idea I can come with, come up with on the fly. All right, we'll go up to Coley Dub next. Coley Dub, any comments on uh, this most recent round of renovations, adding in those uh, uh, luxury options, or what would you maybe like to see? Because there's still going to be around $40 million, if not maybe even a little bit more, uh, in Bramlage renovations moving forward? Um, I don't have much on renovations. I don't remember the last time I've actually been in Bramlage. It's been so long. Um, probably since I was a student. Um, but I don't know. Initially, I thought it kind of sucked. They were taking away, you know, a bit of seats in the student section because, you know, back in I was a student in the league, you used to actually get, you know, full pretty consistently. Um but I mean, it makes sense with how the uh, just the fan attendance throughout the country across all sports. Um, so it really makes sense to kind of cut it down a little bit, and also really good to hear what you were saying about how they already got a pretty solid waiting list for all those premium seats are adding too. And uh, hopefully, it'll kind of make Bramers feel a little more a little more full and intimidating. I will add this: if the time ever comes that we see enrollment and or student tech ticket trends uh, pick back up, they do have the ability to move the general ticket sale GA sections and give those back to the students. So if the time ever comes, there's an additional thousand seats that can go back to the students. So if that time ever comes, there's still another thousand students they can then move back to the students away from a non-student GA seating. Um, we're going to go to Connor next. Connor, a recent graduate. Um, what are your thoughts when you see this? What would you like to see in the future? Uh, do you like this direction? Do you hate this direction? Walk me through what's going through your head. Uh, I will say I was initially disappointed they took away seats from the students, but when I sit and think about it, these student crowds are nowhere near what they were when I first got to K-State because my, my freshman year was our Big 12 championship season. And it was packed most of the games. And since then, it's been pretty rough, uh, especially this past season. I mean, the last few games, there was barely anybody showing up. Um, so I, I get this from a revenue move from the athletic department. And it's really not taking that many seats away in practice because most of the ones they're taking away weren't even being used. So I get it. Um, I really liked what Cole in Colorado said about making Bramlage feel like more intimate like getting seats closer to the court. I'd really like it if there was like an extension of the court almost to where there was like or an extension of the seats to the court, almost like bleachers, like where they get like right up to the court and just make it louder. Because my dad always would talk about how at Ahern, um, they would stomp on the bleachers and just get incredibly loud there. And it doesn't quite get that way at Bramlage like it used to. And so I don't know. Ways to make Bramlage more intimate than it is because it feels a little cavernous right now but i'm not exactly sure what the best way to do that would be at least in my opinion it'd be winning and, and that place feel at least 
you know, back when I was there from 2010 to 2014, it almost felt claustrophobic when you got that many folks in there. I mean, because again, there were games that you were packing in uh, well beyond the, you know, fire code into the student section. I I mean, over 6,000 students into probably 4,000 seats. And, uh, you know, if you get back to that level of winning, I don't think with uh, ticket trends and even student trends, uh, it'll ever get back to that. But I think if you start winning at a big level again, it, it can feel claustrophobic. So I, I agree with you. I don't know what the what what the solve is there, except for just getting back to making that a can't miss uh, activity. We're going up to the good chef, chef. You know, a lot of first off, a lot of great reviews from your Q and A appearance. Shout out to you. Um, thoughts on the Bramlage renovations, the changes. What changes would you like to see them do? Uh, you know, with the next round of renovations in the future. Well, thanks, Scott. Um, I will say that it's been so long since I've been in Bramlage. I couldn't tell you like exactly what they need to do for renovations, but what they what they announced, I don't see necessarily a problem with it because when I look at the game um, from afar on TV, the way they have the students set up, it makes it look like it's full all the time. Um, so if they're cutting that down, I'm sure that it won't be too much of an issue on TV for me. Um, and giving more luxury seats, making more money for the for Bramblage, for the university, is always a good thing. But if, if they could make it like they were saying, more intimate and not so cavernous and everything's real close um, to get those corners in for the octagon. Um, It would be really cool, but I don't think where the students sit is perfect, right? Uh, Right on court side on, on the, on the base, not the baseline, but the, yeah, baseline. So I think it's it's the best way to do it. But hopefully, no, it, it would be mid court baseline. Mid court, uh, mid court, underneath yeah. the basket. Yeah, mid court, not baseline. Baseline is the worst place to put your students, I think. But uh, mid court, it looks good on TV, and if they could just make it, make sure it stays good looking on TV for me, that's what all I need. All right, we'll go Joel, Nick, then Callie, Mike, and we'll finish up with my guy, Mister Dubois. And we've had millions of conversations that kind of go about uh, about these topics. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say. But we'll go with Joel next. Yeah, so I think it, like Connor said, it makes sense from a revenue standpoint. But to be honest, I, I mean, I've never sat in those little loge things. But if I wanted to watch a game from an office chair on a computer screen, I'd just watch it at work. So feeding off of that, here's how I'd fix it. Make the concourse floor level, drop it down. You're going to bring all the seats in and make them like longer instead of higher. And on top of those, you're going to put an actual ring of boxes in a, it's like an octagon ring. That's a beautiful stadium. I love it. I I actually think part of the uh, big round of renovations is creating a ground level concourse. Um, So it will not be exactly like that, but I, I have seen, uh, some renderings that have uh, hinted at something similar to that. Uh, Coffee Fiend and then Cali Mike. So it's been a minute since I've been at Bramlin, but I'm kind of on board with what Connor was saying, just in the sense of get everything closer and closed and get that Ahern field, uh, feel of getting it packed house. And uh, I like the 
this is just a typical, not typical, but a nitpicky kind of deal. But whenever we wear the lavenders or the two tones, get get the court, you know, going back to the '80s logo and just the '80s uh, feel. That's my opinion. I wonder how much a new court would cost. Uh, you know, because I would love to see that broken out as well. I don't know the logistics. I don't know how much it would cost, but hey, you're getting all that extra revenue from the uh, luxury seats. You might as well do it. We'll go Cali Mike and then Mr. Dubois. Yeah, uh, Coffee Fiend took the words right out of my mouth. I, I definitely like, I would like to emphasize a new court floor, uh, maybe some new designs. Um, honestly, one of my favorite designs was uh, I think some folks have posted it before, but basically the power cat with the basketball texture inlaid. Um, oh yeah. That was back like in the nineties, late nineties. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw the Harlem Globetrotters play on that court. Um, so, you know, that's, that's part of, you know, nostalgia for me. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I'm like a lot of guys here. I haven't been to Bramlage in quite a while. Um, so I'm not outside of the new court, you know, I'm happy with whatever money they put into it. All right, now we'll go to the guy who hates athletic departments making money at all, and that's Mr. Dubois. Will, tell me why my opinion is wrong about everything. Well, Scott, um, I don't know. I think you're right sometimes. Uh, I'm just more right usually. So um, I actually think that putting the new uh, load seats or whatever the term is is a pretty savvy move. I think the location makes sense. Um, they don't, they kind of remind me of the KU end zone. It doesn't look like they're meant to be there forever, but I think it looks like it gets the job done for several years. And when there's people in there, you won't notice what they look like as much. So I think that was a pretty smart move. Um, if you were intent on spending money in Bramlage, um, online, you know, they mentioned a mid-level concourse. I'm not sure if that was referring to the Shamrock zone, but if they do that in Bramlage, I'd be very curious to see how it's done. Um, I'm thinking something that could look good would be kind of like, you know, how the Royals have uh, almost like a hidden concourse that you can step out to. But if you did that and you put like a ribbon above it and you made it stretch part of the sideline or touch byline or whatever, I think that could look good. And then lastly, I think there's opportunity for the tunnel to do some kind of interesting design feature or structure there. So when the team runs out, you know, maybe... I'm not saying it lights up, but there, it's a focal point that's going to be on TV for free throws and also when a team runs out. And I think that that could be an opportunity for some cool design from a, a good architect. That's my take. Well, I, I'm glad to hear you don't completely disagree with me, but I, I think what you're envisioning, what you're saying about uh, that mid-level concourse, I think that is, like I said, I, I think that is what they are going to do when they do that big round of uh fundraising and renovations i think because i think another big part of it is allowing a uh you know uh entryway so you don't have to go up that big ramp and you don't have to go up and down you know 50 flights of stairs for the uh chair back sections i don't think it's going to cut the student section in half but i believe that is uh what I've seen and heard talked about. So I, I think that might be part of the big renovation. So um, I'll be interested to see what happens. I like it. I, I think that they are going to, they, they're evolving with the trends when it comes to what stadiums want, 
what college ticketing wants while still keeping a big percentage going to students. And like I said, there is the ability if trends ever change back with either enrollment or in the percentage of students who are buying tickets to get them back upwards of a thousand seats uh, if that ever comes. Next question, and and this is one where I'll be interested to hear what the Boneheads have to say because I think, uh, and and I think I'm in the minority here, but what are the expectations of Colin Klein's first year as the offensive coordinator? If you go back and listen to the live show we did immediately after we kicked LSU's ass, there was a lot of, uh, you know, big-time Colin Klein talk. I think the fans, as for the most part, are super excited and think it's going to be a massive improvement. So I just want to set the baseline with the group we have tonight. What are your expectations from year one of Colin Klein calling the shots on offense? We're going to start with Chef this time. Chef, what what are your, uh, you know, what are your expectations of the man who's going up on the ring of honor? Man, I, I think what he's going to bring to the offense, obviously they're bringing a little bit of a tempo, which is going to be different from what we were used to seeing. Um, He'll exploit what Adrian Martinez can do best. Um, I think Adrian Martinez, not so much giving him a draw play, but giving him uh, one read, two reads, and then then go. Um, I think that's his best option um, to use his legs, not so much just pound him up the middle like how Colin was used when he was in school. Um, And also... From what I saw from the bowl game, his only his only look, um, he was consistent out of half, and he was aggressive, and he was not laying back and letting the defense control what comes out and making the adjustments. I think that's what's really important and the next step, because we could run the same offense that Courtney Messingham ran, but if we're putting numbers up in the third quarter instead of getting shut out and waiting, waiting and letting the teams come back or extend leads, I think we'll be in such a better spot. All right, we're going to uh, Callie Mike next. Callie Mike, what's the expectation? I and you know his name's going up on the stadium, and, and I, I said something cheeky on the message boards. Um, first off, everyone hates the offensive coordinator. Are we going to be put in a situation where K State has to fire someone whose name is up on the stadium again here in a few years? What are your expectations? I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, honestly. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, I just, I, what I expect, uh, you know, it may not be reality, but I expect that our offense is going to be playing a lot quicker, basically quick strikes to try and uh, run up the score as much as possible so that we're not getting into a position where we're just trying to run out clock. Because I feel like that's where we've been for years. It's just like, oh, you know, you get a, a touchdown or two up ahead of the opponent, and now you're just going to run the ball to run the clock out. I think Colin Klein is going to try and do quick strikes um, and basically try to score on every drive instead of running clock. We'll go to Mr. Dubois. Uh, Will, I, I, I always try to make you my exact same age, but I forget you're younger. Were you in school when Colin was the quarterback? Yeah, I started in 2010. Okay, so we we are the same age. Okay, you you just I I went a little bit longer looking. than you. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, and you look younger. I looked at myself in the mirror the other day. And I was like, man, I'm getting old. Um, so what what are your expectations of Colin? Again, 
you saw the magic that he was able to bring as the quarterback starting in that infamous game versus Texas uh, where he ran the ball a million times, the amazing 11 and 12 seasons. Uh, what are you hoping to see uh, with him calling the plays? Uh, I mean, in the off season, I'm hoping to see a little bit more aggression, but, you know, temper my expectations, knowing that this is first time really having the full reins. But I'm sure by the time it's the season, I'll have unreasonably high expectations and be very upset when we have weird calls on the offense. Yeah, so th- this is the second stint he has as offensive coordinator uh, in the final years of uh, Bill Snyder. I believe he had the co-offensive coordinator role. Um, was it with Andre Coleman, but Andre was calling I, the plays? I thought he was year? co-OC, but my, my memory, you know, I am old now, so my memory might be Yeah, crazy. well, yeah, anyone can jump in and correct me if I'm right or wrong there. Anyone listening in on the RSS feed, let me know. So um, I, I think he was a co-offensive coordinator towards the end. He was not calling the plays. It will be interesting, again, uh, if you guys recall, and, and this is something uh, I, I can't remember if I if it was a Kellis Robinette article that got bumped or if he just wrote it or what the deal was, but I saw something that was written about the play versus Miami in that 2012 season. We're blowing Miami out. It's at the end of the first half, and they called a fake jump pass behind the back reverse to Chris Harper, and the play absolutely got blown up. It was a disaster, but... Bill had some of those kind of wacky plays that you'd see every now and then. You didn't see that a lot with Courtney Messingham. So I'd be happy just with, you know, the extra, you know, crazy trick play. You know, I'd be fine seeing that. Let's go to Colorado Cole next. Cole, what would you like to see uh, from Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator? Yeah, so I'm definitely looking to see just more plays per game, more reps. Um I just think that is the right way to play football these days. I mean, you're giving yourself more opportunities to score um, and not you're spreading the ball around more. I mean, giving, giving guys a chance to make a play, um, you know, some guy may surprise you if you give him a chance. So I'm excited to see the ball spread around a little more, get a little more reps, and also just like for bumping those stats up, you know, getting deuce ample amount of reps per game and Malik and all those guys that deserve to be, you know, padding those stats and pumping them up. I'm excited to see that. Um, And also I'm just excited to see, I feel like uh, Colin Klein is going to succeed because he's not going to be too tied to anything. And I think he's going to be constantly evolving as an offensive coordinator because he is just, that intelligent of a guy, uh, that's why I believe that he will succeed. I love it. We're going up to Joel next. Joel, you hated Messingham. What do you think we're going to see from Klein? At least I thought you hated Messingham. I might be misremembering. but Absolutely hated him. Hated him from the beginning. I watched his games at North Dakota State, and I hated every second of that. So, um, yeah, I'm just looking for just more – I guess a more diverse route tree, I guess, from the receivers. I think we'll see a lot better design plays. I think we'll also push the ball downfield a little bit more. I think that was definitely lacking these last few years. So pretty excited about that and kind of like what Cole said is 
definitely more plays. We we were taking so long, so hopefully we speed that up a bit. Yeah, and that, that seems to be the one thing that we continue to hear from players when talking about uh, spring ball. It will be interesting to see uh, what sort of tempo they play with, and again, just getting a playoff every you know twenty six seconds instead of every thirty seconds is going to seem like things are going uh, insanely crazy or insanely fast when really that's still going to be below average pace for college football. We're going to Coley Dub next. Coley Dub, what are you expecting to see out of the uh, you know hero of the 2012 offense, Colin Klein? Sorry about that. Um, I don't know if I have any like expectations as far as like how many points or yards they're going to put up, but I hope after like all the talk you've heard this off season from everyone, um, everyone within the facilities of you know different formations, a little hurry up, a little more hurry up offense. I hope we actually get to see the walk now that you've heard all the talk. Um, I think it'll be really interesting, and hopefully he can be successful at those. Uh, like, see what he draws up in the critical end of game situations. You know, uh, I feel like that's where a lot of fans, especially me, would get so frustrated where messing him would draw something up, and it just seems like a lot of times just left you questioning, like what, like what was your point of calling that play there? Or I just feel like he wasn't always putting players in the or calling the right plays up to the players in the best position to win those, you know, close into game type of situations and stuff. Yeah, totally different uh, style of running backs, I know. Uh, but I rewatched um, a condensed version of the 2018 K-State versus KU game, or maybe it was 2019. Um, what was Bill's final year? Was it 2019? Or was it 2018? Whatever Bill's final year. 18. The, the, 18. So the year we should have lost to KU at home. Uh, but but it was funny because uh, it was a critical fourth down, fourth and short. And what do they draw up? Uh, the Wildcat uh, with Alex Barnes. Again, totally different uh, player than Deuce Vaughn. Alex Barnes definitely more apt to play, uh, you know, the Wildcat quarterback, have that called on a fourth down. But it did make me chuckle going back and seeing that critical play. And seeing it just happen to work out, uh, you know, in, in that instance when it so uh, famously failed for Courtney Messingham and Deuce Vaughn in that Texas game. We're going to the coffee fiend, Nick. Nick, what are you hoping to see from Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator? Honestly, just not being able to predict what plays we're going to run. I mean, that you saw that, I mean, for the longest time with Bill and then started seeing it with mess and it's just frustrating um so honestly just the temp- new tempo um and then more plays hopefully and then just being able to run different different plays different players and hey, i'm excited so i think he's going to succeed in that all right we're going to go to mr Baltazar uh connor who is uh, a high football iq individual so what are you looking to see from the colin klein offense Something that I expect that's going to play a bit of a like mind game, I think, with opponents as well as just ourselves is getting to the line quickly, but not necessarily snapping the ball particularly quickly. Like we might be snapping the ball like slightly faster than we did in the past, but not so much more as just a way to keep the pace of the game up 
uh, mentally for the offense because you skip the step of the huddle and just get straight to the line and then figure out the play when you see the defense, which just also gives you the versatility to hurry up and go fast when you need to. That and also somebody else said it, I don't remember who, but putting players in better positions to succeed that aren't named Deuce Vaughn because I think the bowl game showed that Colin Klein, that Colin Klein sees the talent on the roster and also sees ways to get things out of players that we maybe weren't using particularly well before and just being more efficient with the tools that we have. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and it will be interesting because, you know, there were times in the Bill Snyder era where they would break the huddle, they would go up to the line a lot quicker, and then they would do the straight-up check-with-me offense over there. Um, And again, you didn't see as much of that, you know, in like 2012 when Colin Klein really was trusted to maybe make some of those audibles and changes himself. And you saw that, honestly, a little bit with Will Howard uh, the past two years as well. I'll be interested to see how much of that maybe is brought back or implemented uh, you know, with the first year of a new offensive coordinator, obviously Adrian Martinez' first year uh, at K State, I'll be interested how much we see that. And so, I, and I think, go ahead. Um, like, like uh, Connor said, the tempo bringing them to the line and our versatility that we have, where we have a Ben Sennett that can play tight end, split out wide, or fullback, and having maybe another multiple running back that can put Deuce out in the slot or bring them into the backfield if they have a different package out there that we can exploit. I think our offense being so versatile with a tempo where we're not going so fast but getting to the line and we can exploit the de- the defense's weakness, I think that's going to be huge. Yeah, I, I hear you right there. And, and again, I, I really want to, and again, Connor hit on this and some of, some of you hit on this as well. This is probably going to be Malik Knowles' final year. I know it seems like he's been here forever. I think he still technically has his COVID year if he wants to come back after this year. But his skill set, I just want to get creative. And maybe that's giving him a random handoff. Maybe it's doing end arounds. Maybe it's just getting defenders' eyes looking elsewhere. I think that is where Kasich can kind of really use their speed and elusiveness when you have him, Philip Brooks, Deuce Vaughn, guys that have wiggle and speed, just getting eyes looking different directions pre-snap. That's something I'm really going to be looking for as well. So we got 18 minutes left. We have our final question. I think we're going to be able to hit on a rapid fire closer as well. But This is, and I don't want to say unusual because I I feel like we've had some good non-conference games uh, in football recently. And then basketball, we have a history of maybe not as much in the Bruce Weber era as Frank Martin. But we have a lot of really fun non-conference games coming up in this upcoming football and basketball season. And hell, even women's basketball with Iowa coming into Bramlage, that's going to be a massive game in the non-conference season for our women's team as well. But you have that Iowa game for the women. You have the Missouri game for the men uh, for football. For men's basketball, you have Wichita State coming to the Octagon. You have Nebraska in the T-Mobile Center right before Christmas. You have at Butler for the Big East Big 12 battle. 
You have, uh, what am I forgetting? Some random team in the SEC. I don't know. Uh, that hasn't been announced yet. But then possibly LSU down in the Caymans for that tournament. So I just want to know from you guys, what is the non-conference game you are most looking forward to in this next kind of uh, athletic season? We're going to start with Connor. It honestly might be the women's basketball game against Iowa, just because it's really difficult for me to think of a time recently where there's been two heavyweights in a particular sport converging into Manhattan the way that's going to happen in December. I'm really looking forward to the Ayoko Lee versus Caitlin Clark show. That should honestly sell a ton of tickets. I really hope it does. I think that's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. They had two massive non-con games on the road last year. Um, they were at NC State and at South Carolina. I didn't know if maybe one of those teams was going to come back this way as well. Uh, you might even see one of those teams coming Uh because I, because I don't remember the press release for those games, and I don't know if it was announced as a home and home. But until you get that schedule actually released, you might have some more marquee games there as well. Uh, let's go next to Coley Dub. Coley Dub, of all those games, what are you most looking forward to? Um, probably the Missouri football game. Uh, as far as football goes, it'll be nice to hopefully kick their ass again in football. Uh, as far as basketball, I'm, I don't know why. I'm kind of excited about that game at Butler. I just kind of always thought they had kind of a cool cool arena wherever they play. It would be nice to get a little revenge for the uh, NCAA tournament way back when. Didn't we play them? Yep. Am I crazy? Oh, yeah. Nope. That was uh, the Elite Eight game with Jacob Pullen after the Xavier game. Yep. That was rough. Um, and shout out to Connor, who in the chat. Uh, we hosted Oregon in the top 25 matchup in the non-con last year for women's basketball. Uh, we'll go to the good chef chef. I think I know the answer to this one based on your location, but you surprised me. So uh, what, what game are you most looking forward to? Well, yeah, I mean the easy answer for me is Butler um, for men's basketball. Um, but also I'm excited for that grand Cayman uh, tournament that you were talking about. I kind of want to see Illinois state. Let Luke Kasuki show up here. Get a little nasty with Luke. Let's let's put him on his butt a little bit. I would like to see that. Yeah, sadly, I believe that it is a Flow Hoops tournament. So I think if folks want to watch that, they're gonna have to. Uh, I'm buying. They're gonna I'm have to drop some for everybody. We're all gonna watch Luke get stuffed at the rim. Well, oh, first off, that. I. I'm a fan of Luke the Soup Kasuki. I hope he succeeds at Illinois State. Unless we have to play him, then we're going to have to kick his ass. Um, but I think, man, I, I feel like I remembered watching the last time we were on Flow Hoops. I, I feel like I remember someone doing a Twitch stream of it. Um, so hopefully something like that happens so folks can watch. Um, we'll go next to, we'll go to Kale. Kale, welcome to the show, my man. Uh, of all these marquee non-conference games, again, we have all sorts of them with men's basketball, women's basketball, and then that Mizzou game. Hell, even Tulane could be a fun one. What one are you looking forward to most? Um, I'm looking forward to the most uh, the national championship game against Alabama. 
Um, but other than that, uh, looking forward to uh, the Missouri football game. It's good Big 12 matchup coming back. And then I'm just like Coley Dub. Coley Dub and I are basically the same person, so I don't even know why I came in here. But that Butler basketball game as well. I think those are the two most that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. We'll go to Colorado Cole next. Colorado Cole, which one are you most looking forward to of all these marquee games across the three sports? Dude, I'm probably most looking forward to Mizzou, um, partially because I'm planning I'm going to that game. And I think it'll be a great atmosphere. And I also think we're going to beat the brakes off of them. So for that reason, I'm I'm going to go with Mizzou. Did the 11 a.m. game uh, kickoff time harsher vibe for that one since you're coming back? Uh, zero wavering in my vibe. My vibe is unwavered right now on this day, 6-1-2022. Well, good. Everyone keep your eyes out for Colorado Cole at that game. We're going to go to his partner in crime, Joel. Joel, of all the games uh, mentioned uh, across football, men's basketball, and women's basketball, which one are you most looking forward to? So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be the Missouri game of all the ones mentioned, but honestly, I'm almost more excited for that Tulane game. I think it's going to be a much better game, and Tulane's kind of cool. They have amazing uniforms, amazing logos, um, but I, I was thinking you might you might be the guy to uh, say Wichita State in the octagon. I do hate WSU. That is a, a certified fact. But we're going to blow them out anyway, so not not super worried about it. No, what's wild is I'm pretty sure that game is the uh, you know next day after uh, our meeting down in Arlington where we're going to have to beat someone for the Big 12 championship. So, Big travel um, day. There's going to – yeah, there's going to be a lot of traveling for that one. I hope that they make it a night game so folks can get back in time uh, to pack Bramlage, keep the yellow out, keep the black out, uh, and get a lot of lavender and purple into the arena. I think the final one for this one is the coffee fiend himself, Nick. Nick, which of these marquee non-con games are you most looking forward to? So, for football... I went to the last home game against Missouri, so it would be it'll be fun to go back and watch that old uh, Big Twelve, old Big Twelve matchup again. And then for basketball, love seeing the Kansas schools go at it. So I uh, wish Salt State um, coming to the Octagon is my my pick. So yeah, and then also uh, the last time there was a game in. Bramlage, we did a, or not in Bramlage, in the T-Mobile Center. I think it was still the Sprint Center back then. Um, when we played St. Louis, we had a ticket giveaway. So uh, when we get a little bit closer to basketball season, I'm planning on getting some tickets to give away to some boneheads who want to see K-State take on Nebraska in Kansas City. So everyone, be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, Tickets are going to be pretty affordable, so let's let's pack pack uh, the T-Mobile Center with purple, and then I'm going to try to plan on having some sort of pre-game get-together in Kansas City before that game to spread some Christmas spirit. Um, we got enough time for a uh, you know rapid-fire uh, ending question. I can't remember, and I'm sorry um, who uh, to whoever uh, asked this. I think it might have been Hayes. 
Uh, shout out to Hayes. I know he's listening to this. He's getting his summer started. Um, but who is going to lead K-State in sacks or who is going to be number two if you think Felix is going to lead the team in sacks again? Um, there was a pretty wild stat that someone posted over on KSO. I wish I remembered who it was. Shout out to our friends at K-State Online. Um, you know, if you want the most up-to-date news, check them out. But there has, it's been a very long time since a K-State uh, defensive end or any player came off a double-digit sack season and followed up with another big season. So it is rare. So if you're going on history, it will be someone other than Felix and DK Uzama to lead the team in sacks. So I want to hear who your best bet for it to be. I think there's a handful of good picks so I'm going to start off with Coley Dub. Coley Dub, take King Felix out of the situation. Who's going to have the most sacks? Um, if I was placing money on it, it would be whoever is starting opposite of Felix. I feel like any time we've had a DN go off and get a ton of sacks, then the following year, the next guy on the other end would do it, um, which I don't know who that is off the top of my head. But I'm going to go with Daniel Green because that dude loves to fly around and hit people and take out quarterbacks while he does it. So I'm going to go Daniel Green on that one. I actually think that's a nice little dark horse pick because he does like to uh, blitz. He does like to uh, cause some havoc. So I, I, I like that pick. We're going to uh, – next we will go to – and we're trying to get Callie Mike back up on stage. Let's go to Kale next. Kale, I'm testing uh, your bond with Coley Dub. Uh, who do you have, uh, you know, either leading or being number two in the team in sacks next year? Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Coley Dub uh, because I have no idea who uh, who else it could be. Uh, from what I can tell, our defensive line is pretty depleted with injuries and stuff, and uh, Coley Dub knows his football, so I'll just echo his sentiment. <laughs> yeah, we're going to need a spinoff, Coley Dub and Kale. Uh, you know, a spinoff Bosco's Boys podcast, which, you know what, uh, I, I would help uh, facilitate that if that could be in the works. Um, we're going to Callie Mike next. Callie Mike, welcome back to the stage. I saw you had a, a call. I'm glad you uh, ignored it. I'm glad you're back. Who is going to have the most sacks on the team not named Felix Amy DK Uzama? Um, well, I think... Uh, maybe a previous color cast um, I had talked about this, but I think Khalid Duke is going to have a huge comeback um, and he's going to be our guy. Yeah. And he was the one who everyone thought was going to be the guy when it comes to racking up those sacks uh, last year before his injury. So I like that pick and honestly maybe the one uh, I would go with. Um, there's another name that I'm thinking of that I'll, I'll throw in there if it isn't said. Uh, let's next go to let's go to Colorado Cole next. Colorado Cole, who do you have uh, being the big time sack getter? Yeah, I think uh, Nate Matlack's going to have a breakout year this year. I think he's kind of got it set up on a tee. You know, he's proven that he has the athletic ability to make some plays. Um, but he's just enough under the radar that I think he's going to have a great year. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. And Coach Klanderman, and again, shout out to our friends over at KC Online. Coach Klanderman did an, uh, a sidebar Q&A at the Topeka Catbacker event, and he had some 
super high praise for Nate Matlack, comparing him to uh, some guys who went in the top uh, 10 in the latest NFL draft. So I, I love that Nate Matlack pick. Uh, let's next go to the good chef, Andre Napier. Chef, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, you guys are putting out some crazy good picks for that, and I think they're all edge rushers, but we got to look. If those guards are going to be helping those tackles with those defensive ends, Eli Huggins is going to have one-on-ones with centers, and he's going to feast putting direct pressure up the middle. I think Eli Huggins could end up being a leader in sacks. I mean, six, seven, who knows? I don't know if he'll get there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went up against, you know, just a trash center and then got like two in a game where he's like pulling down the quarterback before he can even take the second draw or second step in a drop. I, I could see him having a multi-sack game. Um, let's next go to the coffee fiend, Nick. Nick, who do you got? Uh, top pick would probably be Khalid Duke. He's going to have a comeback year. And then Dark Horse is going to be uh, Daniel Green. So I love it. We're going to Joel, and then we'll end with uh, Connor. Uh, Joel, who do you have being either that leading uh, sack guy or number two? Yeah, I'm with Cole. It's Nate Matlack. That dude has a crazy motor on him. He has that, like you said, uh, Aiden Hutchinson kind of like motor. He's not that big, sadly, but uh, he's gonna he's gonna go crazy this year. And he was even robbed of a couple sacks uh, with uh, you know some of the stat keepers. I think it was uh, maybe the Texas Tech game. He was robbed of maybe one or two sacks. Yeah, it was a sack game. at the end of the game. Yeah, oh, I was I was like irrationally pissed off about that. Like, you know, Felix losing out on two sacks in the TCU game, losing out on the uh, record, and then Nate Matlack not getting credit for that sack at the end of the game. Um, I I was I'm pretty mad still about both of those. And um, we're gonna end with Connor next. Connor, um, what, what who would you say uh, outside of King Felix, who's gonna be the big sack hitter? Cole, I'm so happy that you said Nate Matlick. It was killing me that nobody was saying it because, uh, yeah, the, the comparison to Hutchinson is apt. And he actually is pretty big. He's like 6'5", 250, I think. And he's really athletic, got really long arms. He's a prototypical pass rusher. I think that this year he's either going to split starting time or start at defensive end over Jalen Pickle. And I, Matlick, I'm surprised that he's flown under the radar as much as he has. I think that's a credit to the quality of edge rushers that we have at K-State. But Matlick, I think he's going to feast. And after Felix probably declares this year, Matlick is going to have probably a first-team All-Big 12 season in 2023. I, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. And it's, it's, it's only recently gotten to my attention that he's flown under the radar as much as he has. He's just been playing in the shadow of Felix. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say this. It, it could be a lot of fun if Felix does kind of buck the trend at K-State and have a second big year back-to-back. Because, again, if he has – let's just say, you know, he, he gets through the non-con and maybe has like six sacks, five or six sacks, one, one or two a game, you know, big, big numbers. But then he like gets like a three-sack performance versus Oklahoma – maybe on a big noon Friday game on Fox and another upset, all of a sudden you're going to see him like mocking in the top 10 of the next NFL draft. I think 
it could be a fun year if he stays hot. But I agree. I, I think ultimately it might end up being Nate Matlack setting himself up for a big 2023. That's all we got tonight. I saw it. Uh, you know, I, I saw um, some folks uh, calling for it in the chat. Uh, the MVP of the night is going to go to Connor Connor of the Aggieville Alley Cats, you guys have your first anniversary show, I think, coming up on Friday. Uh, but just, you know, tell the Boneheads and K-State fans any, everywhere anything you want. Uh, yeah, like Scott said, Aggieville Alley Cats, we have our one-year anniversary show on Friday. We're doing a Q&A. Uh, there's still time to submit questions if you guys want to do that. Uh, then we're also going to have another episode on Sunday. We're doing a season preview. I just finished making a spreadsheet of a three deep depth chart for this year, which I think I might post on Twitter after the episode. So you guys can look at it and critique it or whatever. And yeah, just check out our podcast. Uh, it's not been doing it for a year. It's been awesome. And I've really enjoyed being a part of this community. So thank you guys. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Shout out to ACE who is usually here. Uh, so Connor, at least for the week has jumped ACE in my power rankings of the Aggieville Alley Cats. I'm just kidding. I love them both unconditionally and equally. Shout out to everyone who joined. I want to give a shout out to all the boneheads. We had another big time downloads, uh, you know, month in May. Uh, You know, we've had one of our best three month stretches ever going from March to April to May. A lot of that with the excitement around Jerome Tang. But I think we are just, we've hit a a little bit of a growth spurt, which I didn't think would ever happen again in listenership. Um, I thought we had peaked, uh, but we haven't. We have come back. We're going to continue to do some big things, especially starting in July. Blitz, Blitz Month is coming back in August. And again, we're going to have a show every single weekday during football season, all season long. Super excited about it. Uh, no live show next week, but we have a super special secret episode that is dropping on Wednesday the 8th to make up for it. Uh, this upcoming Monday, you'll hear my chat with Chuck Lilly. A very fun chat. Went longer than I thought it would, but it's a great episode. I love you guys all unconditionally so much. Uh, and I promise you, even though he got banned from Twitter again, uh, Grant is always going to be waiting for you guys at the cat head. You've just got to go find him. Yeah, the cat head. Don't drink shit coffee. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Fight, fight, fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we 
Podcast Network.